Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. You'll also find our new t-shirts in the shop, including podcast shirts and quote shirts from your favorite classic novels. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes. But also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show, and YouTube, where we have special behind-the-narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear what inspired your favorite classic authors to write their novels— and what was going on in the world at the time, check out the Bite at a Time books behind the story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note, while we try to keep the text as close to the original as possible, some words have been changed to honor the marginalized communities who've identified the words as harmful and to stay in alignment with Bite at a Time books' brand values. Today we'll be continuing Little Men by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 7. Naughty Nan Fritz, I've got a new idea, cried Mrs. Bear, as she met her husband one day after school. Well, my dear, what is it? And he waited willingly to hear the new plan. For some of Mrs. Joe's ideas were so droll, it was impossible to help laughing at them. Though usually they were quite sensible, and he was glad to carry them out. Daisy needs a companion— and the boys would be all the better for another girl among them. You know we believe in bringing up little men and women together, and it is high time we acted up to our belief. They pet and tyrannize over Daisy by turns, and she is getting spoilt. Then they must learn gentle ways and improve their manners, and having girls about will do it better than anything else. You are right as usual. Now who shall we have? asked Mr. Bear, seeing by the look in her eye that Mrs. Joe had someone already to propose. Little Annie Harding. What? Naughty Nan, as the lads call her? cried Mr. Bear, looking very much amused. Yes, she is running wild at home since her mother died, and is too bright a child to be spoiled by servants. I have had my eye on her for some time, and when I met her father in town the other day, I asked him why he did not send her to school— He said he would gladly if he could find as good a school for girls as ours was for boys. I know he would rejoice to have her come, so suppose we drive over this afternoon and see about it. Have you not cares enough now, my Joe, without this little gypsy to torment you? Asked Mr. Bear, patting the hand that lay on his arm. Oh dear, no, said Mother Bear briskly. I like it and never was happier than since I had my wilderness of boys. You see, Fritz, I feel a great sympathy for Nan, because I was such a naughty child myself that I know all about it. She is full of spirits and only needs to be taught what to do with them to be as nice a little girl as Daisy. Those quick wits of hers would enjoy lessons if they were rightly directed. And what is now a tricksy midget would soon become a busy, happy child. I know how to manage her, for I remember how my blessed mother managed me and... And if you succeed half as well as she did... You will have done a magnificent work, interrupted Mr. Bear, who labored under the delusion that Mrs. B was the best and most charming woman alive. 
Now, if you make fun of my plan, I'll give you bad coffee for a week. And then where are you, sir? cried Mrs. Joe, tweaking him by the ear just as if he was one of the boys. Won't Daisy's hair stand erect with horror at Nan's wild ways? asked Mr. Bear presently when Teddy had swarmed up his waistcoat, and Rob up his back, for they always flew with their father the minute school was done. At first, perhaps, but it will do Posy good. She's getting prim and Betty-ish and needs stirring up a bit. She always has a good time when Nan comes over to play, and the two will help each other without knowing it. Dear me, half the science of teaching is knowing how much children do for one another, and when to mix them. I only hope she won't turn out another firebrand. My poor Dan, I never can quite forgive myself for letting him go, sighed Mrs. Bear. At the sound of the name, little Teddy, who had never forgotten his friend, struggled down from his father's arms and trotted to the door, looked out over the sunny lawn with a wistful face and then trotted back again, saying as he always did when disappointed of the longed-for sight. My Danny's coming soon! I really think we ought to have kept him, if only for Teddy's sake. He was so fond of him, and perhaps Baby's love would have done for him what we failed to do. I've sometimes felt that myself, but after keeping the boys in a ferment and nearly burning up the whole family, I thought it safer to remove the firebrand for a time at least, said Mr. Bear. Dinner's ready. Let me ring the bell. And Rob began a solo upon that instrument which made it impossible to hear oneself speak. Then I may have Nan, may I? asked Mrs. Joe. A dozen Nans if you want them, my dear, answered Mr. Bear, who had room in his fatherly heart for all the naughty, neglected children in the world. When Mrs. Bear returned from her drive that afternoon, before she could unpack the load of little boys, without whom she seldom moved, a small girl of ten skipped out at the back of the carryall and ran into the house shouting, Hi, Daisy, where are you? Daisy came and looked pleased to see her guest, but also a trifle alarmed when Nan said, still prancing, as if it was impossible to keep still, I'm going to stay here always, Papa says I may, and my box is coming tomorrow. All my things had to be washed and mended, and your aunt came and carried me off. Isn't it great fun? Why, yes. Did you bring your big doll? Asked Daisy, hoping she had. For on the last visit, Nan had ravaged the baby house and insisted on washing Blanche Matilda's plaster face, which spoiled the poor dear's complexion forever. Yes, she's somewhere around, returned Nan with most unmaternal carelessness. I made you a ring coming along and pulled the hairs out of Dobbin's tail. Don't you want it? And Nan presented a horsehair ring in token of friendship, as they had both vowed they would never speak to one another again when they last parted. Won by the beauty of the offering, Daisy grew more cordial, and proposed retiring to the nursery, but Nan said, No, I want to see the boys in the barn, and ran off, swinging her hat by one string till it broke when she left it to its fate on the grass. Hello, Nan, cried the boys as she bounced in among them with announcement. I'm going to stay. Hooray! bawled Tommy from the wall on which he was perched, for Nan was a kindred spirit and he foresaw larks in the future. I can bat. Let me play, said Nan, who could turn her hands to anything and did not mind hard knocks. We ain't playing now and our side beat without you. I can beat you in running anyway, returned Nan, falling back on her strong point. Can she? asked Nat of Jack. 
she runs very well for a girl, answered Jack, who looked down upon Nan with condescending approval. Will you try? said Nan, longing to display her powers. It's too hot. And Tommy languished against the wall as if quite exhausted. What's the matter with Steffi? asked Nan, whose quick eyes were roving from face to face. Ball hurt his hand. He howls at everything, answered Jack scornfully. I don't. I never cry no matter how I'm hurt. It's babyish, said Nan loftily. Pooh, I could make you cry in two minutes, returned Stuffy, rousing up. See if you can. Go and pick that bunch of nettles then. And Stuffy pointed to a sturdy specimen of that prickly plant growing by the wall. Nan instantly grasped the nettle, pulled it up and held it with a defiant gesture in spite of the almost unbearable sting. Good for you, cried the boys, quick to acknowledge courage even in one of the weaker sex. More nettled than she was, Stuffy determined to get a cry out of her somehow, and he said tauntingly, You are used to poking your hands into everything, so that isn't fair. Now go and bump your head real hard against the barn, and see if you don't howl then. Don't do it, said Nat, who hated cruelty. But Nan was off and running straight at the barn. She gave her head a blow that knocked her flat and sounded like a battering ram. Dizzy but undaunted, she staggered up, saying stoutly, though her face was drawn with pain. That hurt, but I don't cry. Do it again, said Stuffy angrily. And Nan would have done it, but Nat held her and Tommy, forgetting the heat, flew at Stuffy like a little gamecock roaring out. Stop it or I'll throw you over the barn. And so shook and hustled poor Stuffy that for a minute he did not know whether he was on his head or his heels. She told me to, was all he could say when Tommy let him alone. Never mind if she did, it is awfully mean to hurt a little girl, said Demi reproachfully. Oh, I don't mind, I ain't a little girl, I'm older than you and Daisy, so now, cried Nan ungratefully. Don't preach, Deacon, you bully Posey every day of your life, called out the Commodore, who just then hove into sight. I don't hurt her, do I, Daisy? And Demi turned to his sister, who was pouring Nan's tingling hands and recommending water for the purple lump rapidly developing itself on her forehead. You are the best boy in the world, promptly answered Daisy, adding as truth compelled her to do. You hurt me sometimes, but you don't mean to. Put away the bats and things and mind what you're about, my hearties. No fighting allowed aboard this ship said Emil, who rather lorded it over the others. "'How do you do, Madge Wildfire?' said Mr. Bear as Nan came in with the rest to supper. "'Give the right hand, little daughter, and mind thy manners,' he added as Nan offered him her left. "'The other hurts me.' "'The poor little hand. What has it been doing to get those blisters?' he asked, drawing it from behind her back where she had put it with a look which made him think she had been in mischief." Before Nan could think of any excuse, Daisy burst out with the whole story, during which Stuffy tried to hide his face in a bowl of bread and milk. When the tale was finished, Mr. Bear looked down the long table towards his wife and said with a laugh in his eyes, This rather belongs to your side of the house, so I won't meddle with it, my dear. Mrs. Joe knew what he meant, but she liked her little black sheep all the better for her pluck, though she only said in her soberest way, 
Do you know why I asked Nan to come here? To plague me? Muttered Stuffy with his mouth full. To help make little gentlemen of you. And I think you've shown that some of you need it. Here, Stuffy retired into his bowl again, and did not emerge till Demi made them all laugh by saying in his slow, wondering way, How can she when she's such a tomboy? That's just it. She needs help as much as you, and I expect you set her an example of good manners. Is she going to be a little gentleman too? asked Rob. She'd like it, wouldn't you, Nan? added Tommy. No, I shouldn't. I hate boys, said Nan fiercely, for her hand still smarted and she began to think that she might have shown her courage in some wiser way. I'm sorry you hate my boys, because they can be well-mannered and most agreeable when they choose. Kindness in looks and words and ways in true politeness, and anyone can have it if they only try to treat other people as they like to be treated themselves. Mrs. Bear had addressed herself to Nan, but the boys nudged one another and appeared to take the hint, for that time at least, and passed the butter, said please and thank you, yes sir and no ma'am, with unusual elegance and respect. Nan said nothing but kept herself quiet and refrained from tickling Demi, though strongly tempted to do so, because of the dignified airs he put on. She also appeared to have forgotten her hatred of boys and played I spy with them till dark, Stuffy was observed to offer her frequent sucks on his candy ball during the game, which evidently sweetened her temper, for the last thing she said on going to bed was, "'When my battle door and shuttlecock comes, I'll let you all play with them.' Her first remark in the morning was, "'Has my box come?' And when told that it would arrive sometime during the day, she fretted and fumed and whipped her doll till Daisy was shocked." She managed to exist, however, till five o'clock when she disappeared, and was not missed till supper time, because those at home thought she had gone to the hill with Tommy and Demi. "'I saw her going down the avenue alone as hard as she could pelt,' said Mary Ann, coming in with the hasty pudding, and finding everyone asking, "'Where is Nan?' "'She has run home, little gypsy!' cried Mrs. Bear, looking anxious." Perhaps she's gone to the station to look after her luggage, suggested Franz. That is impossible. She does not know the way. And if she found it, she could never carry the box a mile, said Mrs. Bear, beginning to think that her new idea might be rather a hard one to carry out. It would be like her. And Mr. Bear caught up his hat to go and find the child, when a shout from Jack, who was at the window, made everyone hurry to the door. There was Miss Nan to be sure, tugging along a very large bandbox tied up in linen bag. Very hot and dusty and tired did she look, but marched stoutly along and came puffing up to the steps, where she dropped her load with a sigh of relief and sat down upon it, observed as she crossed her tired arms. I couldn't wait any longer, so I went and got it. But you did not know the way, said Tommy while the rest stood round enjoying the joke. Oh, I found it. I never get lost. It's a mile. How could you go so far? Well, it was pretty far, but I rested a good deal. Wasn't that thing very heavy? It's so round, I couldn't get hold of it good, and I thought my arms would break right off. I don't see how the station master let you have it, said Tommy. I didn't say anything to him. He was in the little ticket place and didn't see me, so I just took it off the platform. Run down and tell him it is all right, Franz, or old Dodd will think it is stolen, said Mr. Bear, joining in the shout of laughter at Nan's coolness. 
I told you we would send for it if it did not come. Another time you must wait, for you will get into trouble if you run away. Promise me this, or I shall not dare to trust you out of my sight, said Mrs. Bear, wiping the dust off Nan's little hot face. Well, I won't, only Papa tells me not to put off doing things, so I don't. That is rather a poser. I think you'd better give her some supper now and a private lecture by and by, said Mr. Bear, too much amused to be angry at the young lady's exploit. The boys thought it great fun, and Nan entertained them all supper time with an account of her adventures. For a big dog had barked at her, a man had laughed at her, a woman had given her a donut, and her hat had fallen into the brook when she stopped to drink, exhausted with her exertion. I fancy you will have your hands full now, my dear. Tommy and Nan are quite enough for one woman, said Mr. Bear half an hour later. I know it will take some time to tame the child, but she is such a generous, warm-hearted little thing. I should love her even if she were twice as naughty, answered Mrs. Joe, pointing to the merry group in the middle of which stood Nan, giving away her things right and left, as lavishly as if the big bandbox had no bottom. It was those good traits that soon made little Giddy Gaddy, as they called her, a favorite with everyone. Daisy never complained of being dull again, for Nan invented the most delightful plays and her pranks rivaled Tommy's, to the amusement of the whole school. She buried her big doll and forgot it for a week and found it well mildewed when she dragged it up. Daisy was in despair, but Nan took it to the painter who was at work about the house, got him to paint it brick red with staring black eyes, then she dressed it up with feathers and scarlet flannel and one of Ned's leaden hatchets, and in the character of an Indian chief, the late Poppy Dilla tomahawked all the other dolls and caused the nursery to run red with imaginary gore. She gave away her new shoes to a beggar child, hoping to be allowed to go barefoot, but found it impossible to combine charity and comfort, and was ordered to ask leave before disposing of her clothes. She delighted the boys by making a fire ship out of a shingle with two large sails wet with turpentine, which she lighted and then sent the little vessel floating down the brook at dusk. She harnessed the old turkey cock to a straw wagon and made him trot round the house at a tremendous pace. She gave her coral necklace for four unhappy kittens, which had been tormented by some heartless lads, and tended them for days as gently as a mother, dressing their wounds with cold cream, feeding them with a doll's spoon and mourning over them when they died, till she was consoled by one of Demi's best turtles. She made Silas tattoo an anchor on her arm like his, and begged hard to have a blue star on each cheek, but he dared not do it, though she coaxed and scolded till the soft-hearted fellow longed to give in. She rode every animal on the place, from the big horse Andy to the cross pig, from whom she was rescued with difficulty. Whatever the boys dared her to do, she instantly attempted, no matter how dangerous it might be, and they were never tired of testing her courage. Mr. Bear suggested that they should see who would study best, and Nan found as much pleasure in using her quick wits and fine memory as her active feet and merry tongue, while the lads had to do their best to keep their places, for Nan showed them that girls could do most things as well as boys, and some things better. There were no rewards in school but Mr. Bear's well done and Mrs. Bear's good report on the conscience book taught them to love duty for its own sake, and try to do it faithfully, sure, sooner or later, the recompense would come. Little Nan was quick to feel the new atmosphere, to enjoy it, to show that it was what she needed, 
for this little garden was full of sweet flowers. Half hidden by the weeds, and when kind hands gently began to cultivate it, all sorts of green shoots sprung up, promising to blossom beautifully in the warmth of love and care. The best climate for young hearts and souls all the world over. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow for the next bite of Little Men. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com and check out the shop. You can check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the rest of the links for our show. We'd love to hear from you on social media as well.